This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping wraps up his Moscow visit, and the White House weighs in on China's proposal for Russia and Ukraine. Former President Trump unveils his plan to dismantle what he calls the deep state, and demonstrators both for and against Trump's potential arrest voice their opinions. We're hours away from a Fed decision on whether it will hike interest rates. We find out what that could mean for the economy. Classes remain halted for more than half a million Los Angeles students as a school worker strike stretches into its second day. And a global Chinese beauty pageant, NTD's very own. In September, it will showcase the elegance and graceful beauty of Chinese women, and it will place a big emphasis on the morality and faithfulness of the contestants. A director tells us more about it. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning, everyone. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Wednesday, March 22nd, also known as Fed Decision Day, which everyone will be watching closely, including us, of course. But before we get to that, let's look at how Xi Jinping's visit to Moscow went. The Chinese regime leader has wrapped up his visit. Now the White House responds to the visit and China's proposed plan for Russia and Ukraine. Here's the story. On day two of a state visit to Russia, Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping attended a state reception in the Kremlin. Xi and Russian President Vladimir Putin shared a toast. I propose a toast to the health of our friend, respected chairman of the People's Republic of China, Mr. Xi Jinping. I propose a toast to further development of the Russia-China relations and strategic partnership in the new era. During the meeting, the Chinese regime proposed a political settlement in Ukraine which saw the support of Russia. White House National Security spokesman John Kirby commented on the proposal. I don't think you can reasonably look uh, at, at China as impartial in any way. Um, they haven't condemned this, in, uh, this invasion. Um, they haven't stopped buying Russian oil and Russian energy. Um, President Xi saw fit to fly all the way to Moscow. Kirby said Xi should press Russia to pull its troops out of Ukraine if China wants to play a constructive role in the conflict. In a joint declaration on Tuesday, Russia and China said the relationship has reached its highest level ever. The country signed two agreements, affirming their partnership and agreeing to expand natural gas trade and other economic ties. Staying on the war in Ukraine, the International Monetary Fund, or IMF, is offering the country a four-year financing package worth roughly $16 billion. The IMF said on Tuesday they have reached a staff-level agreement with Ukrainian authorities. The agreement must still be ratified by the IMF's executive board. If approved, this would be Ukraine's biggest loan package since war started. It would also be the IMF's biggest loan to a country involved in an active conflict. The IMF said its executive board is expected to discuss approval in the coming weeks. The Ukrainian Prime Minister and U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen welcomed the deal. 
U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says the situation for troubled U.S. banks is stabilizing. She also says the government is prepared to take further actions to protect smaller banks. Her comments came yesterday after a recent hearing of the Senate Finance Committee. Some lawmakers questioned what was being done to keep confidence in smaller institutions. Here's what Senator James Lankford asked Yellen last week. What is your plan to keep large depositors from moving their funds out of community banks into the big banks. We have seen the mergers of banks over the past decade. I'm concerned you're about to accelerate that by encouraging anyone who has a large deposit in a community bank to say, we're not going to make you whole, but if you go to one of our preferred banks, we will make you whole. That's certainly not something that we're encouraging. That is happening right now. That is happening because depositors are concerned about the bank failures that have happened and whether or not other banks could also um, no, it, it, fail. No, it's happening and because it's, you're fully insured no matter what the amount is. If you're in a big bank, you're not fully insured if you're in a community bank. Now, regulators recently went above the $250,000 insured limit to make large depositors whole. That was a case for Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank when they failed. Yellen says the intervention was necessary to protect the broader U.S. banking system and that the steps taken were not focused on helping specific classes of banks. She says similar actions could be warranted for smaller banks if they suffer deposit runs that pose the risk of contagion. It's not clear yet how regulators will guarantee all deposits. One idea being considered is a tiered system where depositors pay more to guarantee deposits above the current limit. And we're just hours away from a decision from the Federal Reserve. It could be raising interest rates today. It also is possible it could declare a pause to try and contain the banking crisis. So we're bringing in Thomas Hogan now for an analysis on this. He's a senior research economist at the American Institute for Economic Research. He's also a former chief economist for the U.S. Senate's Banking, Housing and Urban Affairs Committee. Good morning, Thomas. Yeah, good morning. You're right. Uh, this afternoon, the Federal Reserve will make an announcement regarding the state of monetary policy. They were previously expected to raise interest rates by about half of a percentage point. But given the recent turmoil in the banking system, people are now questioning whether they will be raising ra interest rates at all. Uh, the current market expectation is that they will raise by a quarter of a point at this meeting, um, but that they won't be raising interest rates very much more this year, that later in the year they're expected to actually be cutting interest rates, hopefully if inflation continues to come down. And can you quickly also explain what kind of balance it is the Fed is, needs to strike at the moment? Yeah, that's right. The Fed is in a tough situation because the economy is so good. Uh, the unemployment rate is very low, uh, one of the historically lowest uh, rates since uh, in the post-World War II period. But at the same time, we're still experiencing in inflation. And so the Fed has been raising interest rates in an attempt to calm inflation without causing uh, a downturn in the economy. So far, the downturn has not occurred, but inflation has not come down as much as they had expected either. It has remained persistently high. And so they're in a tough situation that they you know, they want to continue to raise interest rates in order to tamp down inflation, but doing without disrupting the economy, which is now an even bigger problem considering what's happening in the banking sector.
Right, and you just mentioned this interesting point that I want to touch on about how good the economy was. Because over the last year, those rate hikes didn't seem to slow the economy much. But how much did the banking crisis now recently change the economic outlook? Yeah, that's right. So the Fed is in a tough spot right now be, because of these uh, this trade-off that they have to make. That they're you know they want to get inflation down. They're worried about unemployment. They're worried about the banking system, um, and largely that is because they had to hike interest rates so quickly over the last year, uh, and that was really something that was caused by the Fed's bad policy in the post-pandemic period that, you know, in 2001, we had high inflation, but the Fed was saying it was only transitory. Uh, later, they decided it was partly their fault, but they didn't start raising interest rates until uh, early or middle of uh, 2022. And so they had to do that very quickly. And that quick increase in interest rates is what caused these problems for the banking system, that they weren't able to hedge some of that uh, interest rate risk quickly enough. And so that's caused a couple of banks to fail. And it's really not known how widely that problem is in the banking system. And so the Fed now is, is trying to have some facilities, some liquidity facilities to help out that problem so that they don't have to cut interest rates while inflation is still high. And one more thing quickly, since we have another minute. Um, what do you, you just mentioned that it's expected to that they will ra uh, rate uh, hike it by a quarter uh, percentage point. So, um, what do you say about the argument that a raise uh, could actually put more banks at risk and thus, you know, undermine the effort that's been made so far to actually boost the confidence? Is there any uh, short-term implications like that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the this this has been um, one of the dangers, as I said, that the Fed has been raising interest rates so quickly that that is not something that's normal in the economy. And it was definitely a worry from the beginning that either there would be a problem in the banking system or that this would uh, lead to an economic downturn and that suddenly we would plunge ourselves back into a recession, have high unemployment rates, and then be stuck in the situation of having a, a bad economy and high inflation at the same time, what they had in the 1970s we call stagflation. And so the Fed has been trying to avoid that scenario. And so far, they had done a pretty good job until now, until we see these problems with the banking system. And so, um, so it's, you know, it's not really known at this point. It may be that the banks that have failed already were really the only ones with high interest rate exposure. And so the Fed is trying to solve that problem with liquidity facilities uh, so that it can uh, help those banks and um, give them some support, despite the fact that they're planning to raise interest rates a little bit more. Mm, so basically, time would tell. Thank you so much, Thomas Hogan. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. From the economy to politics, former President Trump revealed his plan to dismantle what he calls the deep state yesterday. It's part of his Agenda 47 for 2024. Meanwhile, demonstrators, both in support of and against him, took to the streets. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more on Trump's 10-point plan. They're all sick, and it's fake news. Trump vowed to aggressively remove rogue bureaucrats, uproot corrupt actors in the national security sector, and rework FISA courts if elected in 2024. He plans to create a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. To declassify and publish all documents on deep state spying, censorship, and corruption. He's promising to crack down on government leakers that he says collude with media to create false narratives. And says he will ask Congress to create an independent auditing system to monitor intelligence agencies to make sure they're not running disinformation campaigns or spying on citizens. He's also proposing term limits for members of Congress. This is how I will shatter the deep state and restore government that is controlled 
by the people and for the people. Reactions to Trump's possible upcoming indictment were mixed in New York on Tuesday. Both supporters and adversaries were on the streets making their stance known. I certainly don't want him to be elected uh, in the next election. He should get arrested and he shouldn't be like involved in uh, U.S. government at all. The so DA should focus on crime in New York. Yeah, He should focus on crime in the city. Proponents in other parts of the country like Alabama and Florida said they were not protesting but rallying in support of Trump instead. We're not going to just lay, lie, lie down and, and pretend that this is normal or that this is right. It's not right. They've spent millions of U.S. tax dollars coming after him instead of working with him to help our country. And I think it's ridiculous, but like I said, it's benefiting Trump in the long run. I love our governor, but Trump's our man. Trump is holding his first 2024 campaign rally in Waco, Texas on Saturday. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Coming up, sandstorms blanket Beijing and northern China today as air pollution soars off the charts. An Air Force commander says China has a lot to learn from Russia's war in Ukraine and says the world's response would be similar for any attack on Taiwan. More in just a moment. Welcome back. The second largest school district in the U.S. remained closed today as part of a three-day strike. About 30,000 Los Angeles education support staff walked off the job yesterday. And today's Jackie Rios has the story. With labor talks at a standstill and no new negotiation scheduled, LAUSD campuses will be closed Tuesday and likely through Thursday as service workers began a planned strike, leaving more than 400 students without classes. In pouring rain, 30,000 workers represented by the Service Employees International Union Local 99 began picketing to demand better wages and working conditions. Uh, and it is to protest the unfair labor practice of the district. That means that while workers were demanding uh, better wages, uh, more cleaning staff so the schools can be clean. This follows a six-day teacher strike in 2019 and the coronavirus pandemic that closed classroom instruction for more than a year in 2020 and 2021. But Superintendent Alberto Carvalho said kids already lost a lot of ground during the pandemic. He wrote in a Twitter post, they cannot afford to be out of school and that is why I am appealing directly to the union leadership to engage and negotiate in good faith and find a solution that addresses the needs of all, including our students. A former public teacher of 28 years explained why the union is doing this. So first of all, in the old days, uh, teachers weren't very unhappy with their salary before the unions came along, and things were going nicely. Teachers would uh, you know, have maybe a faculty senate, and they'd sit down with their school district and with parents, uh, taxpayers, and they would come up with fair pay that, uh, that equaled the kind of money that was coming into the school district. Well, ever since collective bargaining was passed, parents were removed from the equation and taxpayers were removed from the equation. So actually, collective bargaining is not healthy for any of us. According to the Los Angeles Times, the union, which said 96% of its membership had authorized the strike, is demanding a 30% salary increase plus a $2 per hour for the lowest paid workers. We want a fair contract. 
we're open to talk, we're willing to talk, but we need something that's fair. And bringing out of the poverty line, we're below the poverty line, 24, 25,000 average a year. In an effort to provide more resources for students during school closures, the Natural History Museums of Los Angeles County and Los Angeles Zoo said it is offering free admission to LAUSD students grade K through 12. A group of seven U.S. senators wants to raise the mandatory commercial pilot retirement age to 67. The goal is to deal with the lack of pilots. Senator Lindsey Graham and other Republicans first introduced the bill and now includes Democrats Joe Manchin and Mark Kelly. The proposal would require pilots over age 65 to pass a rigorous medical screening every six months. Graham said roughly 5,000 pilots will be forced to retire within the next two years. He says hundreds of flights are being canceled due to a shortage of available pilots and crews. The Airline Pilots Association opposes proposals to increase the retirement age. And over to China, sandstorms shrouded Beijing and northern China on Wednesday as air pollution rose to hazardous levels. The sandstorm blanketed buildings and roads in a thick cloud of orange dust. Beijing has experienced sand and dust storms over the past several days, causing pollution levels to drastically increase. Today, the air quality index reached a level considered very hazardous to human health, a figure that is more than 37 times the daily average guideline set by the World Health Organization. Visibility is very poor in many areas, but residents in Beijing said the weather mostly didn't hamper their daily routine. In terms of effects from the sandstorm, there is the smell of dust on the subway, but when I go outside, I can't feel it that much because the subway entrance is very close to my home. The impacts are not that great, but can still feel the effects of it. Now, this is the third sandstorm in a month. A government agency issued yellow warnings for nearly a dozen provinces for Wednesday and Thursday. Beijing is regularly hit with sandstorms in the spring, with the smog made worse by industrial pollution. Pacific Air Force Commander Kenneth Wilsbach says China has some tough lessons to learn from Russia's war in Ukraine. Entity's Daniel Monahan has more on the general's comments. Great. Over to you. General Wilsbach says Russia tried to create an information space before launching its attack on Ukraine and says the lies they made up to rationalize the war didn't work and that no one in the international community bought them. I hope that China is um, paying close attention. He says China is now going down a similar road regarding Taiwan. Like the U.S. is trying to create uh, an Asian NATO. The general says China should take heed of how the world reacted to the Ukraine invasion, first through sanctions. Um, and then eventually they uh, went to support and, and even as far as lethal aid. Wilsbach says China should expect the same if they invaded Taiwan. The general also remarked that Russia should have had it easy with a cross-the-border land operation and compared that with what China would face. China has the most difficult military operation there is to do, which is an amphibious landing coordinated with an air assault over 100 miles of ocean. The general says the CCP aims to impose its will on neighbors in the region and everybody else but added that, like Ukraine, Taiwan is an adversary that would fight. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. 
Coming up next, learn more about a beauty pageant centered on pure authenticity, goodness, and beauty. Chinese women will display not only their external beauty, but also their character traits like love, wisdom, and perseverance. Stay tuned to hear more about the rigorous training needed to meet the standard. Good to have you back with us. Our very own network is going to host the NTD Global Chinese Beauty Pageant this fall. It's an effort to promote traditional Chinese values and aesthetic character. On display to the world will be the pure authenticity, goodness, and beauty of the contestants. Now, what makes this beauty pageant stand out? And what are they looking for in their contestants? We sp spoke with Richard Yin, the Deputy General Manager of NTD Global Competitions. For now, we are looking for the Chinese girls at least one of Chinese origins, and they can be outspoken and they're open to embrace the Chinese culture and Chinese values, and they are, they are willing to be changed. And uh, they, they like to using the stage at the, the platform to showcase the elegance and the graceful beauties they learn from the whole process of this pageant. And in this case, we call this is not just a simple competition, it's a showcase. So the, all the girls come over to this platform to learn, to grow, and to be inspired and to be sublimed. This is the purpose for this particular pageant. So all these girls, if you, and they, they like these ideas and they want to be challenged, they want to be yeah, sublimed, this is the platform, this is the stage for them. So we talk about the process for this whole pageant. Now what is it like to try to find a winner? We have three stages to select the right candidates. The very first stage is the, is the pre-application stage and, and to May 1st, the deadline for the applications. And in the applications, in addition to all these uh, the headshots of the girls, we're also looking for their inner virtues by maybe reviewing their essays, talk about their understanding about the world, the family, and also their vision about the beauties and the social responsibilities. And they also have to submit a project called the Beauty with a Mission. So this is very important how we evaluate the at attendees for this competition. And uh, once they pass through the first application process, they will be go through a series of trainings, online trainings for Chinese culture, Chinese literature, Chinese poems, Chinese music, and also the on-stage performance, like uh, how to behave, how to walk, how to do the presentations properly, how to answer questions. And uh, last but not least is the is that they have to go through certain trainings using the techniques derived from the classical Chinese dance, which we believe can properly train a girl to be more uh, to, to train their pose, posture, and also the body and flexibilities, and in the long term can change their form and uh, temperaments. Wow, it really just sounds like a process of improvement and elevation while they go and pursue yeah, the and tiara. I, I, I really appreciate that because I really what I got from what you said is you don't just see the person as as they are, but they, you you really see how she her potential and how like a diamond in the rough that you will be able to um, refine. Yeah, because you might notice that in the past maybe decades, the pattern have been engulfed into huge controversies, and the the, the standard of the beauty have been deviated and uh, people have uh, different notions about the beauties, and, which is totally distorted based on our understandings. That's why we want to use this opportunity to bring back the true definition of real beauties, and uh, this will be a platform we can showcase what this beauty means in front of the whole world. 
Okay, not to be cheesy, but it does really sound like everyone's a winner here, even the people that, that apply. So what do they take away? A lot of things. In addition to the general things they can learn from other pageants, like the self-confidence and also disciplines and time management, the most important thing to take away is the real essence of the traditional Chinese values, especially for all these girls who was born and grew up in the Western world. They might not have a real chance to get familiar with these traditional values. So this is the chance for them to embrace and, and appreciate the traditional values and cultures. So they can bring back and they can be an, a messenger to pass around. And they can also maybe pass over to the next generations by what they have learned. So it's a lifelong lesson, a lifelong journey just starts from here. Wow, really being able to pay that forward to their friends yeah. and family. I'm sure I have one, one or two things to learn here as well. So I'm really looking forward to this. Um, so one more thing that I wanted to know is, um, I saw this beautiful tiara, and I'm just wondering, what's the story behind the design there? And the tiara is called uh, the Phoenix tiara, or Phoenix crown. It's, it has uh, a story behind that, because based on Chinese tales from the books of the mountains and seas, and we always know the Feng Huang or the Phoenix carry the, carries the beauty, the peace, and the tranquility from the heaven to the world, to the human world. And uh, on their beautiful feathers, they have a, uh, five embedded characters in Chinese, which translate into morality, and righteousness, propriety, benevolence, and the truthfulness. So the things that the contestants will be judged on. Exactly, that's why we have a five and sapphires, blue sapphires, represent these five major inner virtues. Wow, Evelyn, there is just so much symbolism that goes into that Phoenix tiara, I love it. Yeah, I agree, and you know, this is actually just a very short snippet you remember, it was a quite the deep conversation, actually, yeah. that it turned out we had. So you can head to NTD.com to catch all that there. And that's it. We're going to wrap today's program here. Don't forget to write us if you have anything to share, um, to share with us. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.